I'm Chris Lindstrom, and this is the Food About Town podcast. In episode 81 of the Food About Town podcast, thanks to the great New York State Fair, Matt Petrillo from the Meatball Truck Food Trucks and Antonetta's Restaurant came over to the podcast to talk about their participation in this year's food truck competition at on September 2nd and 3rd over at the New York State Fair. The Meatball Truck won that competition last year, and they're trying to defend their crown this year. 20 food trucks each day on the 2nd and 3rd, and you can come check out the Meatball Truck on the 3rd. Um, Matt was nice enough to spend an hour with me talking through uh, how he got to be running the food truck, how he took over Antonetta's Restaurant, one of the classic Italian-American restaurants here in Rochester. And, you know, uh, Matt's family has a ton of history in the Rochester Buffalo food and uh, bakery scene, and it was great to cover all that stuff as well. Uh, Matt's one of those guys who I've been following since uh, before he opened the food truck. And it was great to spend some time with him. And I'm looking forward to having him over again. I think we're definitely going to do this on a fairly regular basis moving forward. Uh, So it was great to get a chance to spend a full hour with him. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, It is time again to vote for the City Newspapers Best Of. You can go to the City Newspapers website. Put in Food About Town for Best Podcast. And uh, when it comes closer to actual voting time, I'll be doing a podcast telling you who you should vote for for the best of Rochester. So thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed the episode, please share out on social media, Food About Town on Facebook, at Stromy on Twitter and Instagram. And make sure you tag the Meatball Truck. Uh, They have social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for listening, and make sure to go out to the Great New York State Fair this weekend to check out the food truck competition, and enjoy. Quick note about this episode. Uh, Matt mentioned towards the beginning of the episode that Meatball Truck would be on Restaurant Row. Uh, There was a bit of a misstatement. They're not part of Restaurant Row this year. Uh, They're going to try and defend their crown as the number one food truck from the fan voting. So check them out on September 3rd at the Food Truck Competition. Oh, Marie. Oh, Marie. Oh, Marie. Oh, Marie. And your arms. I'm longing to be. Longing to be. Mm, Baby. Baby. Tell me you love me. Tell me you love me. Kiss me once while the stars shine above me. Shine above me. Hey, Hey, Marie. Hey Marie, oh Marie, oh Marie, and you're I'm longing to be, longing to be, oh baby, oh baby, tell me you love me, tell me you love me, hey Marie, hey Marie, hey Sammy, come here boy, where Marie, and looks like summer is well, summer, summer, summer. We we have had rain almost every day for the whole summer, and finally we're getting weather. This is this is summer weather right now. I yes. mean, yeah, yes. pretty much summer weather. Yep. Yeah. So, um, summer means it's fair time. Yes, and exactly. Thanks to the great New York State Fair, 
I've got Matt Petrillo across from me. How you doing today, Matt? Good. How are you, Chris? Good. So uh, Matt is what's what's your title? You you I mean, you've got a lot of titles. We're going to talk about all of your different places, but yes, um, my title is restaurateur slash food truck owner. By the way, so not to be pedantic about the whole thing, but I saw recently that it's not restaurateur; it's restaurateur. Restaurateur. Yeah, there's no N. Oh, wow. Well, I, I had I, no idea. I had no idea either. I no. guess because maybe I'm not a real restaurant <laughs> restaurateur. <laughs> However you say it. I'm not, not, not to be pedantic. <laughs> um, but I, I learned that, and I'm like, that's just weird. And yeah. you always learn something about words. Exactly. But, so Matt, um, I know Matt from, uh, well, mainly what we're going to talk about today is the meatball truck. Yep, the meatball and, truck company and Antonetta's restaurant. Yeah, which right around the street, right around the corner from where I work. Yeah. Yep, it's 1160 J Street. It's been there for 41 years. It was previously owned by my grandfather, and I took it over in 2014. Yeah, we definitely want to talk about that, because I find that part of the story fascinating. Yeah. Um, But, so, let's get some fair stuff out there first. Um, And depending on when this one goes out, but the New York City Fair runs from August 23rd to September 4th, and the fair's mission, mission and theme this year is Find Your Great showcasing the best of New York State agriculture and top-quality entertainment. And part of the entertainment is the big fruit truck gathering there at the fair, mm-hmm. which I believe you guys did relatively well at last year. Yeah, the meatball truck earned the top fri- prize from fairgoers at the Great New York State Fair, um, which was first place. Uh, we had a nice cash bonus type of thing and a prize, I mean. Um, the New York State Fair's second annual Taste of New York food truck competition is this year with 2,500 people cast votes during the two-day competition. The meatball truck will now have a spot at the restaurant row at this year's State Fair. So that's you guys. Yes. That's well, us. that's nice. Yep. And I'm glad you could get that off the press release. You did a good job. Yeah, I, I tried my hardest. <laughs> <laughs> You Listen, know, I'm not too good at reading stuff and doing it <laughs> at the same time. I didn't, you know, if I memorized it, we'd be good. But well, basically, you know, at this time of year is first of all, it's my birthday today. I'm 30 years old. And happy birthday to you, sir. Yes, thank I'm, you I'm, very much. I'm and, drinking scotch in uh, in celebration of your birthday. And I'm drinking water in celebration <laughs> of my birthday because I'm a father and uh, a 30 year old now. Look at you being responsible. I appreciate so that. So this this time of year really uh, has a close, dear part in my heart, I guess I would say, because the New York State Fair has always been a part of my life. My stepfather owned Yancey's Fancy Cheese and Hell of a Good Cheese. I want to talk about that, too. And as Bringing a up kid, all my topics. we would go to the New York State Fair and we would sell samples. And we would get, not sell samples, we'd give away samples. And my stepfather would wait for the prize for the best cheeses in the dairy department. Yeah. And at, growing up as a kid, I always did that. And this time of year, right after my birthday... I always knew that the New York State Fair was coming, and we'd be spending a lot of time there. And um, I'm just happy that I could start a business that was able to receive a prize from the New York State Fair, just like uh, my father did growing up. You know, it was so really that's interesting. Cool. See, I, I never, I never went to the State Fair uh, because I grew up in Buffalo, mm-hmm. and we oh, had okay. the too fa- little too far away. And we had the Erie County Fair, which is you know one of the bigger county fairs in the country. So I never went to the State Fair until God, maybe two years ago. Oh, for the really? first time. Yeah, it's interesting. It's um I think it is three hundred and twenty five acre exhibit of entertainment 
And uh, oh, hold on, hold yeah, on a second. I'm, I'm me, trying to read this. Let me see here, how I can so, help out with it. Yeah. Say the home of the great New York State Fair is a 375 acre exhibit. Yes. An entertainment complex that operates all year round. Mm -hmm. A year round schedule of events is available on the fair's website. See, look at that. Exactly. Well, <laughs> you know, you do this for a living. You know. Living is a strong word, but um, you know, it's it's one of those things. Just like anything else, I mean, you've got you've got a lifetime of experience being in and around uh, food and you know vending and all that stuff, um, and it kind of gets ingrained in you over time. Just yeah. like anything else, I mean, practice, yes, and yep. familiarity. So, um, I mean. Starting the meatball truck. Let, let's start with the meatball truck because that's the focus. That's what's at the that's what's at the fair right now, uh, coming up later yeah. this week and next week. Um, let's talk about let's talk about the start of the meatball truck because that's kind of kind of when I mean you got your name out there a bit more yeah, in the public yeah. side, anyways. Yeah. Well, I was a. Uh I was working at Cure in the public market, and I was Which, looking. Great place great for those place, that don't awesome know. Awesome place. Dan Martello and Chuck Sarankoski are great people, and I always give them a shout out no matter what I do. Hundred percent. They taught me a lot about this business, and I couldn't have made that step forward without them. Um, I came across uh, a truck to buy with my stepfather and my mom, and they said, "I think you know this is it's time to jump on this. Uh, let's go." take a look at the truck so we drove down to jersey we saw the truck we bought it we drove back and then we waited for them to finish putting it together and about a month later i left cure and to start up the business this was in 2013 and actually you did an article the first article food about town uh about the meatball truck and i know, remember it was awesome you know it was like my first article it was like yes you know it was fun i mean it was i mean when you started it was right at the Food trucks were hot. Yeah. Food yep. trucks were hot in 2013. And that's all anybody could talk about was, food trucks. you know, what was new? You know, food trucks were new. Everybody, there was new trucks all the time. And they were interesting and different. And most, if not all of them, were chef-driven trucks. Mm -hmm. they, weren't, um, they weren't restaurants putting a truck out for catering and then happening to do the rodeos. These were chef-driven trucks. And I think that was, I mean, there was just this yeah. this endless desire at the time for new and different and specialized, mm -hmm. which is, I think, one of the things that you guys capitalized on really well. Yeah. Well, my stepfather, being the owner of a, of a company that was, one of them was based on their name, Hell of a Good Cheese, you know, that was something that where the meatball truck company came from, darn good balls, you know. Yeah. He was very smart and... and um, it, you know, thinking about how we were going to name our company and, and how we were going to get people to come to our business based on our name, our looks, not just our food. The food he left in my hands. He said, you know, this is going to be you. We're going to taste test everything. But, you know, I know how to market. I know how to do all this. I went to Babson College and he, he did. He knows how to do it. I mean, he's a genius when it comes to that stuff. So I let him roll on that. And we capitalized on simplicity of our product. We knew that if we had more items on our menu, we wouldn't sell as much food. So we kept a three-form item menu, and we just pump it out. I mean, as fast as we can, and the quality is always there. We just keep it the same. Boom, 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 boom. Well, let's talk. Let's talk about that. I mean, the menu's menu's dead short. It's yeah. you've, you've got you got meatball in a cup, you got meatball on a sandwich. Yep, we have a meatball sub, meatball cup, meatball plate. And truffle fries. And, and they're all interchangeable items, basically. And it's all interchangeable. And we actually just added this year the rigatoni, the rigatoni with a meatball on top. 
and uh, that's been a real big hit, and people really like that. Um, it's the the coolest part about our stuff is that the sauce and the meatball can be changed to all different things. If you want to have it in the cup with bread, you can. If you want to have it on a sub, you can. And then we just keep on making more and more entrees out of the same thing, but we just change it up. You know what I mean? And that's right. the best part about it. You have these chefs who are owning these food trucks who are coming, like I said before, with six or seven entrees on their menu, and then they end up getting killed at the food truck rodeo, and they're just killing themselves back there because... Working a truck is not the same as dining people out and di- like people are coming to dine in, in your restaurant and they're sitting there. People are coming up to a truck because they want to get their food and they want to go. You know what I mean? And if you can do it fast and have good quality, then you're going to be a success. I actually taught a class this past summer at the Rochester Brainery on how to start a food truck. It was a month long and it was the first class of its kind. That's and, cool. And uh, I had a great turnout, about 20 people for each class. And I, you know, the people in the class would come to the food truck and see me. And I, you know, I think a few of them are actually starting food trucks. That's interesting and terrifying all at the same time. Yes. Yes, it is. (laughs) Because I, you know, told them what to do. Yeah. (laughs) But that's one that's great. Shout out to Daniel Ramo over at the the Rochester Brainery. Yes. Always doing interesting classes. Um, But I find that interesting because, I mean, the way you're doing it is, lack of a better way of saying it, it's fast service because everything's pre-done. Mm-hmm. Just about, and not, and it's not pre-done, meaning that it's that it's old and just sitting around. Yeah, it's you understand that doing pre-cooking, um, you can't do meatballs to order from raw. No, it doesn't work. No, so not on a truck. You know, we we were able to. So this brings us to a very critical point in our business. After we started the business, um, we noticed after the first year that in order to be very successful. And to maximize our sales and profits, we were going to need to have a kitchen. And a lot of these food truck owners don't realize it at first. They think that they can do it out of their garage. But if you want to make real money, you need to have an old, your own commissary kitchen where you can prep this stuff and hold it in a cooler, a walk-in cooler. So Yeah, why don't I, you talk about the logistics of that for a second? Because it's something I've talked to a lot of owners, and either they end up renting space somewhere or they end up building their own, especially the successful trucks mm-hmm. here in town. I mean, the ones that have names, I mean, they have dedicated space yes. to do all their prep work. Yep. Lizzie has her own kitchen off at, uh, Atlantic Avenue. That's uh, Le Petit Poutine. Yep. For those yep. that don't know them all by first name like I do. <laughs> <laughs> I know you do. That's why I said that. <laughs> um, and I know Marty has a commissary kitchen. Absolutely. Oh, yep. And from and that's Marty's Meats. In case you guys didn't know, yeah, Marty's meats. But the I was a you know I'm able to I have a convection <laughs> oven. So what we do is we grind all of our meat. We use certified Angus beef um, from Palmers, and it's CAB beef. It's the best of its kind. You can only get it at Palmers, and we use chuck rolls, cut them up, grind them in our walk-in cooler, and we roll each meatball by hand. And we've been doing that for four years, and people have have been trying to sell us or you know provide us uh, a meatball making machine in the past, and we say no because I like the fact that all the meatballs are different. I mean, I roll solid three point five meatballs. I've been doing it for four years, and I can do it by just feeling the meatballs. But so three point five meatballs per pound, I assume. Three point five ounces. Three point five ounces. Okay. Yep. So. I, I'm really good at it, but if one's a little bit smaller than the other one, then people kind of know that they're all hand-rolled. Yeah. You know, your grandma's meatballs aren't the same size, whether you think they are or not. You know what I mean? Um, but I like it when someone walks up to the truck and says, 
those meatballs taste like my grandma's meatballs because I know I'm doing something right. You know what I mean? So you're talking about commissary, and you're getting to that point. I remember that first year, too. I mean, that, that first year of food trucking for you guys was, like I said, right at the right at that heat point of food trucks here in Rochester. And anybody who was serious would have been struggling with the volume. Yes. And that brought you to an interest brought you to the next step. Yeah. And the next step was I, I needed a job during the winter time the first season. In the winter of two thousand thirteen, going into two thousand fourteen, I guess, in January, you know what I mean? I needed a job because the meatball truck wasn't running and, you know, I needed to do something. So I started working for my grandfather again at Antonetta's restaurant on J Street and he had owned it for th- over thirty years. So I said So I'm, talk talk about that I mean that that restaurant has is one of the one of the classic red sauce joints here in Rochester, all in and around the J Street Lyle Ave area. Yeah, the big three or the triangle there is Ron yeah. Cones, Rockies, and Antonetta's. My grandpa started something amazing in the 1970s through the 80s until now that, you know, red sauce, chicken parm, and meatballs, just basically sell, making Italian-American food. And classic Italian-American, yes, classic. straight up and down. <clears throat> straight up and down. There's nothing fancy about it. You know, you're talking about dishes that my great-grandmother would make because they were poor. Greens yeah. and beans were cheap. Pasta visual was cheap. You know, tripe was cheap. Every, all that stuff was cheap, and so that's what my grandpa sold. Chicken parm, veal parm. And, you know, I made the quality a little bit better. I took it up a notch when I took it over, and I um, expanded the meatball truck in 2014. When After I, I was talking about how I needed a job, I noticed my grandpa was getting a little tired of the business, and I said to him, listen, I think my stepfather and I would, you know, be interested in taking over the empire here and, and combining the meatball truck in Antonetta's. And that's what we did, and we've had great success with being able to keep our trucks there, powered up there, doing all our prep there, our storage there, and the health inspectors love it. The health inspectors, when they come by my truck and they inspect Antonetta's, they know that we're doing the right stuff because of our commissary kitchen. So, I mean, let's. So you're at two trucks now, right? Yes. So you're at two trucks. Two trucks and a restaurant. And that's where we are right now. Yeah. So, I mean, the two trucks, you're doing the same thing on both. You're not really changing what you're doing there. We added the rigatonis this year, and last year we added the plate, okay. the meatball truck plate. So every year we try to add something else, and we've been throwing – I actually brought you in some lasagna. Oh, nice. And I brought you in some rigs with meatballs with ricotta, basil, and parm on it for you to try. Nice. But we try to have a new home run Every year, as my stepdad would call it, to him, a home run was, you know, his Buffalo Wing Yancey's Fancy Cheese in 2003. You know what I, I mean? That's a home that run. You know what I mean? Like I remember when it hit. I mean, I, I grew up in Buffalo, so you'd be yes, home. Yes, exactly. And it's like you saw that everywhere. And it had Anchor Bar's logo on oh. it because Anchor Bar gave him the sauce to of mix course. in. You know, it's changed a little bit now. But in order to succeed, you need to your business is either going to grow or die. And if you're not growing constantly, constantly trying to find something to be better at, then your business is just going to be stagnant. And I've seen it a million times. I've seen companies that are just staying the same and they're not advancing. And eventually they just end up just closing down or just giving up. Yeah. So, I mean, let's let's take a step back to Internet is as Internet is where it was and Internet is where it is now. Um, so... 
somewhere during the process, I came in and I did a review of the place for the city newspaper. Yeah. And this was probably, I'd say, a year or two into when you had taken over it. Yeah. Um, what, what for you was the biggest difference, the biggest changes you made uh, to, to the place as a whole? The biggest changes we made was were updating the kitchen in all aspects that you could think of. Cosmetically, when it came to, we blew a wall out, put a walk-in cooler, built a loading dock, put new floors, a new hood, all new equipment in, and just made everything nice and clean and sanitary. So you basically gutted the kitchen. Gutted the kitchen. Yeah. And we did also did renovations to the bar all within the first year. We dropped a lot of money on renovating the restaurant. Then the second most important part was using fresh local ingredients. Dan Martello taught me at Cure and Good Luck when I worked there that, you know, use this because it's better. You know, we have this type of stuff that's local to us, basil during the summertime, you know, onions, potatoes from Marion, you know, Firefly Farms has a lot of cool stuff that they're, you know, we used to go out there and they'd bring us, uh, we'd get veggies brought into Good Luck and Cure every day and we'd be able to use different local ingredients all the time and so i started using uh you know local ingredients and just making stuff fresh to order instead of frozen do you yeah. know what i mean and you know the frozen thing wasn't bad my grandpa being an 80 year old man grew up in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s and they did that's how they cooked you know it wasn't he didn't know as much as I did when it come to that stuff, and people liked it, so he kept it that way. And right. So I mean that 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 attention to what what we would call the modern detail of how to do these things, and knowing how to do it, you can do it for not that much more money. Yes. And yeah. do it fresh to order. Yes. Instead of buying a piece of frozen chicken that's already breaded, we we would we fillet our own chicken. And we pound it out, and we do it every single day, and we put it in, uh, you know, flour, egg, and breadcrumbs to order before right. we pan fry it. Instead of doing it all, freezing it, and then you know, throwing it in the fryer. Yeah, that's just one example. Right, yeah. and you're 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 definitely upgrading. You're doing a lot of San Marzano's. You're yes. not just using yep. generic canned tomatoes as much. Yeah, um, talking to the purveyors and trying to get you know, the most out of them and the best ingredients rather than just the cheapest ingredients. Yeah. And if you have to, you can go around to Olindo's right around the corner. Exactly. Yeah. Which, uh, so for those, for those that don't, I mean, I talk about it fairly regularly, but you do? the whole, no, the whole area over there. Oh yeah. It's just an Italian, it, you know, if you know where to go, you know where to go. You got Marticello's, Petrillo's, then you got Olindo's, Antonetta's, Ron Cones. I mean, Olindo's is a grocery store, for kind, yeah, kind of a grocery store for Italian restaurants or Italian people yeah. in the neighborhood. And the lady who owns it, um, she speaks fluent Italian and, uh, you know, the woman and the husband that own it, but the woman runs the grocery store. You've seen her, Absolutely, right? 100%. Uh, I forget what her name is, but it's I, I a don't real Italian, that Philomena. Yeah. That's oh, her that's, name, Philomena. That's a great old school and, name. Yeah, and if you went, have you been to Italy? No. I went to Italy uh, two years ago and traveled the whole um, country by yeah. car. And awesome. I noticed that Olindo's is very much like the grocery stores in Italy, just on a little bigger scale. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's, it's for, for those that haven't been there, which is probably most of you, unfortunately, um, it's uh, just on the west side of Mount Reed on Lyle Ave. Um, and not to scare you away, it's Lilav. It's not that bad. No, it's not the bad. Just part relax. Of this is this is the industrial area of Lyle. Yeah. Um. It's 
I'd say, you know, a half mile away from Mount Reed on Lyle Ave, and has all this interesting big format Italian stuff, small format too, but a lot of big format stuff. And you get all these tomatoes that you won't, you won't see in a lot of grocery stores. Mm-hmm. Uh, different kinds of tomatoes, different kinds of olive oil. It's a really cool store, and it's definitely worth a tr- worth a look if you like, you know, if you like this kind of stuff. And it's not that expensive. No, it isn't at all. If you're looking for like you're talking about like really unique Italian stuff, like canned octopus. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the Goya canned octopus or the canned um, beans, those Italian beans that come in a, in a jar or pickled mushrooms, uh, different olive oils that are unfiltered, Roma tomatoes, and the peppers that you can stuff with ricotta cheese and stuff like that. They have it all. And then they have an amazing olive bar. You know, It's really that, nice. It's an old-school olive <laughs> bar. And believe it or not, Philomena told me a story. She cooks every day, all day. She wakes up in the morning, cooks food in the morning, preps it, comes home in the afternoon when she's done working the grocery store and cooks her husband that's what she told me <laughs> she loves to cook and she said when she was growing up in italy they had an olive tree in her backyard oh and God. she would go out there and pick the olives and they would make you know pickle them put them in oil and whatever and it just it sounds like a dream to me when it is being a chef and in the food business and just loving food i mean that's kind of the kind of the italian dream when you when you think about it is it's that true local that true local intention I mean, you've got an olive tree in your backyard. The guy down the street grows Meyer lemons. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's it's true local. You get you know get your octopus from the sea right near where you live. It's yeah. It's that hope that everybody has when you hear Italian restaurant. Yeah. And obviously, we have you know Italian Americans a different thing altogether. Yeah, Italian restaurants are very simple. Yeah, it's just a simple food that tastes good and put a lot of love in yeah. the food. Like when you're making it, like on a Sunday when I'm making sauce at home. I'm I'm so happy. I'm like, oh my god, I love making sauce. I mean, the pork smells so good, and the sausage, and the you know everything just smells good. I'm you know working outside a little bit, coming and stirring the sauce. It's like the Goodfellas movie. You, you know? go classic. Stir the sauce. You yeah, know? all day you got to <laughs> stir day, the sauce. Stir the sauce. <laughs> <laughs> and you when you make it at home, you go classic. Yeah, classic Sunday gravy style. You exactly. know exactly pork, sausage, onions, uh, red wine. Uh, you know, tomatoes and just cook it all day long and wait for the meat to fall off the bone. Nice. Basically. Oh, man. So, and then I remember when I went in, you were doing, you know, you're doing pasta from scratch too. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is, you've taken the red sauce joint and I think you kind of stand out now from the red sauce places in town that you're really, you're doing a lot of things the modern way and you're doing specials with local ingredients at the same time. Yep. I think that it was it was a big change, and I had a good response from it. But I also had some people that didn't like what I was doing. There was, so yeah, how did that go? There were some. There was a lot of customers that were old school that didn't like the change. They didn't care that the food was made the way it was. They liked it, and they liked it because the ch- the price was good. My grandpa survived off of serving six dollar lunches, <sighs> and wow. as time went on. As the years went on, if you don't change your prices, you just keep them the same. You, you know, the the new owners, uh, you can't have the same prices as 1970 because you can't pay the bills because the prices, you know, inflation, everything, it just doesn't work. So I had to change the prices, change the food, and hope for the best. And I got a, what I, you know, I'm thankful for you for giving me all the press and the city paper and the Democrat and Chronicle. And, you know, everybody's just giving me a lot of press. Um 
and that helped me a lot. I mean, if I didn't have that, I don't know, I'd probably still be struggling with it. Well, I think the big part is when you decide to change the way something's done, and I think you kept the spirit of the place. I mean, you didn't polish the whole place. Yeah, no. I, it's I not kept a polished the, place. I, I kept the dining room as if you're walking into grandma's house. Yeah, I mean, but it's... But the kitchen is like, I have purveyors, like delivery truck drivers, literally tell me it's the cleanest kitchen in Rochester. Yeah. The walk-in cooler, I had the health inspector take pictures of it. He took pictures <laughs> of our walk-in cooler. I mean, we take a good care of our stuff, and but the the you know we have paneled walls in our dining room. Old chairs, the checkered tablecloths. It's, I mean, it's a little bit dark. It's a little yes. bit. It's it's very. You walk in, you know what it is. Yep. You know what to expect, and then I think your expectations are met. And I mean, like from my perspective, when I did the review, I thought they were exceeded for what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like they said that attention to detail. Yeah. But. I think people would have been disappointed if you changed the room. Yeah, I think so too. If I put up drywall and painted the walls, right, and I took the paneling off the ceiling, you, I you mean, I think those... people would be like, "Who is he trying to be? Is he trying to be a fancy restaurant on J Street?" Yeah, do you know what I mean? I couldn't do that. You got to know your boundaries and know your limits of what you can do with what you have. Yeah. Well, that's cool, and that, that kind of, like I said, that kind of plays into everything you're doing right now is mm-hmm. knowing what a truck can do. Yeah, and the truck. I like to tell the guys who work for me, and I have a lot of good employees, and that's another reason what, what you know, I, lo- I want to give a shout-out to all my employees because without them, I wouldn't be anywhere because yeah. I can't do this by myself. And every restaurant out there, there's an owner who takes all the credit and sits on the radio stations and stuff like that, and there's a crew <laughs> of 25 people who are doing all the work behind the scenes. And Ed Boublant is my sous chef. He's been with me for three years and hasn't left um, through the good and the bad, and I give him a ton of credit for making. He's, you know, we were in the New York State Fair two years ago. This is our third year. The first year we came in second place. We lost to Smoke and Pete's Barbecue. I had him over here last year. Yep, <laughs> yep. And then the second year we came in first place. And so Ed's been with me for all three years of the State Fair, which is, you know, back to the State Fair a little bit. It's a grueling day. It's, well, it's it's <clears throat> continual, right? I it's mean, it's continual, and we serve a small cup rather than a regular size for three. It's a three dollar sample this year, and um, yeah, we'll I, talk we'll talk a little bit more about that. We're yeah. gonna take a break in a second. Um, we'll talk about the whole format of how the fair does the food in the the okay. food truck days. So I think what we'll do we'll take a quick break now. All right, and then we will be back with more about the New York State Fair and. Get a little more family history to talk about, too, obviously. (laughs) Okay. Thanks. As I mentioned at the top of the show, the city newspaper's best of poll has started again. The preliminaries are happening now, so go to city newspaper's website and vote for Food About Town for Best Podcast. I've had a lot of fun doing episodes again this year. I've had a lot of great guests on and a lot of great guests coming on in the future. And... Uh, I think getting us on the final poll only helps us get better and better and get more people listening. So thanks for the support, and I look forward to getting on to the final poll again this year. Thanks. And we're back with uh, Matt Petrillo from the Meatball Truck and getting ready for a New York State Fair starting on August 23rd, running through September 4th. And really what we're highlighting today is the food truck competition, which is on 
Saturday, September 2nd, and Sunday, September 3rd. And I believe you guys are on the 3rd, correct? Yes. So there's uh, 20 food trucks each day, and they're going through what they're calling the Taste New York Food Truck Competition. So, I mean, this is... This is kind of like you take the food truck rodeo here in Rochester, you expand it to a bigger area, and then you get the insanity of the New York State Fair all combined into one ridiculous event. Yes. That's going <laughs> to last two days now rather than one day. Kind of split it apart a yeah, little bit. Yeah, because there's 40 trucks, 20 each day. So um, let's talk about – so this is a little bit different than what a food truck rodeo is here. So for the Rochester people, you go to the food truck rodeo, places serve what is basically their regular menu, regular size of regular size of their dishes, and you walk away and you eat over a garbage can because there's no tables. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but this is a little bit different. This is a kind of a different thing, more of a sampling affair. Yeah. It's, um, they've changed the price of our entree where all the food trucks are only allowed to serve one entree. And that entree is going to be $3. And um, when you're done buying your entree, you're handed a voucher. And you take that voucher to the voting ballot box. And you hand it in whichever truck you like the best. Each truck has a name on the voucher. You give it to them. And they're to report to the box and drop it in if you like the meatball truck or Smoking Pete or whoever else is going to be in the competition. I'm guessing a lot of Syracuse trucks. I don't know anything about the Syracuse trucks. The Syracuse Food truck scene is a little behind Rochester, okay. uh, whereas Buffalo was ahead of Rochester, I thought, yeah. and then it was Rochester, and now Syracuse is rounding out, and they're really pumping up now with food trucks in the last two years. Oh, okay, yeah, that's interesting because yeah, kind of it went in waves. I mean, Buffalo popped really fast with you know Lloyd's pushing the limits right away. Yeah, yep, and you know Black Market Food Truck, which is now Marble and Rye, mm-hmm. awesome place in downtown Buffalo. Oh, really? So I haven't cool. been there. Yeah, they they took you know the awesome food they were doing on the truck, and they've just turned into a, I guess what you call it, like almost like a casual fine dining, gastro pubby kind of like place. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot there's a lot of descriptors there, but I think that captures what they are. Yeah, it's a really cool spot. Um, but I think they really they hit fast, and then we've, you know, it's a different vibe there. At, you know, the Larkin Square food trucks. Mm-hmm. Have you gone out for that before? Oh yeah, yep. We've been doing that for four years. It's a it's a hell of a thing they do out there on Tuesdays every week. Yep the the design of it and how they built it and they built it around food trucks and it's um, beautiful. It is. It's awesome. It's a great place. Uh, we started four years ago and I'm awesome. That's where I met Lloyd and oh yeah. And that's you know it was a that's where I really saw what busyness was really like before <laughs> I knew what busyness was because yeah. Larkin was really doing it before anybody else was. And yeah. I think you know some of the idea of the Rochester rodeo came from Lizzie being in Larkin Square because I know Lizzie from Poutine was a big influence in the food truck rodeo. You know Absolutely. she helped start it, and uh, she was doing Larkin Square a year before me. So yeah. this was 2012. She yeah. was doing Larkin Square. So I think it's been going on that long. Yeah, it's been going on a long. Yeah, time. Yeah, it first started and it was. It was all kind of all around the same time when we were when our first food truck rodeo. Mm-hmm. I, I remember the first one. It was it was really something. Yeah, because nobody knew what to expect. Yeah, and, and you go around and you know I was taking pictures and talking to people and I mean nobody knew what to expect. Yeah, um, 
But but the state fair is it's an awesome event. It's three dollars for a tick for a, an entree from off your truck, and which lets people try a lot of different things. Yep, and it, it's a good reasonable price. Um, every food truck owner usually hands their dish to the judge in the beginning. There's a judge's choice and there's a public choice or the people's choice. So last year we won the people's choice and we didn't win the judge's choice. Um, and this year there's actually going to be a beef competition, best use of beef also. And the food trucks, all 40 trucks are in that competition. So if they decide, if in my case, you know, we're serving the meatball in a cup, with a piece of focaccio bread, and because of our entrees beef, we're in that competition. Nice. So that's awesome, and you know, I hope to win all three. To tell you the truth, when when I go to the state fair, I go with a game face on. You go, you go competitively. I, I go competitive. It's 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 all about winning to me, and I want to win because, you know, who doesn't? Yeah, you know what I mean. Do, do you uh, do you have a competitive background? Did you play sports when you were younger? Yeah, I played lacrosse and soccer. I was the captain of my lacrosse team at Pittsburgh Pittsburgh School. We were combined for the lacrosse. Okay, and uh, you know I didn't play in college um, or anything like that. I went to Arizona State University. Um, Big lacrosse school, Arizona State. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I, I spent a lot of time, you know, having fun, hanging out in my fraternity. Sounds like Arizona that. State. Yeah, <laughs> it's you know, I, I don't think my experience was quite the same at the University of Rochester. Oh no, where I sat in my room and was miserable by myself. I think Arizona <laughs> State sounds like a little bit more fun. Yeah, it was a, <laughs> it was a little bit fun. Um, you know, they. They, I remember there was a magazine that said it was the biggest party school in the country the year before. I don't know what magazine it was. I think it's well regarded for its yes. uh, for its party abilities. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, all right, so I mean, I, I love that idea, and actually, it's something I really I wish we would try here at the food truck rodeo. Is you know maybe we do the standard one every month, but if they wanted to expand it into more times, maybe sometimes we could do smaller priced entrees. Mm-hmm. and try and turn it into a sampling event, I think it could go really interesting. Yeah. I think it would bring a lot more people because people who don't want to spend $9 on an entree off a truck. Um, but, but you know, people understand that if your food is quality. I, I had a lot of backlash in the beginning with, you're going to serve two meatballs for $8. Well, these, you know, you got to tell each person these meatballs are fresh ground Angus meatballs that we hand roll and grind ourselves. Yeah. San Marzano tomatoes, ricotta cheese, fresh basil, good uh, bread. olive oil, good bread from Flower City Bakery that is, you know. It's the best. It's that focaccia is just it stupid is. good. It is really good. And if you haven't had it, now I think they're open Thursday through Saturday now or Wednesday through Saturday. They've got like like real hours now. Yeah. So you can actually go in and get their stuff. Um, I'm sure Keith loves that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because Keith wasn't working hard enough before. I know. And now now they're open from Wednesday till Saturday, I think. Um, it's just real. It's, it's great. Like, you can actually go get stuff on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that focaccia they make is just is so it's unbelievable. They, they, you know, they have a starter. Keith is a genius when it comes to baking. He knows so much about make, uh, making fresh bread, and they put. I believe they use a starter for the focaccio so that I it rises and it yeah. has a little sourness to it, and yeah. they mix 
garlic and rosemary in with it, and they have an amazing oven that they can bake it in, and it proofs it, and they you know have proofing areas that are, you know, if you've never been, go to the public market, go to Flower City Bakery. Keith's a good friend of mine, and get yourself a breakfast sandwich and buy some focaccia bread for the weekend. I mean, it's 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 when I tell people about it. I don't mince words. I mean, it's a special place. Mm-hmm. It's national-level bread, pastries, and for anybody that talks about it, I mean, it's it's exceptional in yeah. almost every way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to pivot for a second, and because your family has a bakery history as well. Yeah. Uh, yep. And one of the big names in Rochester, baked goods. So. Yeah. Uh, my grandfather in the 1920s came here from Italy and started Petrillo's Bakery. Um, and you know, back then the bread was very simple. They made a, a Italian loaf of bread and my grandfather, my great grandfather also made pizzas. My grandpa tells me he's one of the, he was one of the first people in Rochester to make pizzas. I mean, they had a big oven the size of a room and they were making little pizzas and my, my old cousins, like my grandpa's cousins, yeah, they were walking around bar to bar with little pizzas, round, like little five-inch round pizzas on a wood thing around their neck, hand, you know, selling pizzas. See, I didn't know, I, I heard that about the Veltries, which is over on Lyle Ave, uh-huh. but I didn't know that the Petrolos had the same kind of history to it. Yeah, yeah, and because they came straight from Italy, N- Naples, where pizza's from. I'm, uh, You know I'm a, big Neo- I'm a big pizza nerd, and Neapolitan pizza's my favorite. Yeah, and you know, when I went to Naples, it was the first thing I did was get pizza. Oh, that you know sounds I mean? awesome. And so that's how they got started. And then they expanded to to not rolls, and they expanded to hoagie rolls and softer rolls with a lot more butter in them instead of harder rolls with no butter and a lot of water and salt and yeast, you know. And it was just a hard crust on the outside. That was the original one. Um, but, yeah, that my grandpa started out in, in the baking business, and he was one of the first – bakeries around rochester Hmm. big long history in in food service for me in this city yeah i mean it's kind of like entrenched into every part of your family it really is my stepfather had the cheese business my grandfather owned a restaurant and his father owned a bakery so it was really just natural for me to fall into this and the bakery still still running today right it's still running it's owned by another family um my grandfather's brothers and uh sold the business, and that's when my grandpa kind of moved on to do his own thing, named Antonetta's after his mother, Antoinetta, and uh, my uncles, my great uncles went off and did their own their own things. Yeah, yeah, because it's one of those things, the first time I learned about it was, I don't know, there was this guy who was doing a, he was doing a breakfast sandwich blog for a little while, which was, it was odd and small and kind of interesting, but every time... Somebody would serve a breakfast sandwich on what they would call a hard roll. They'd put it out on the Petrillo nut roll, mm-hmm. which is not a hard roll. No, it's not a hard um, roll, Chris. And every time this guy would say, it's not a hard roll. And he, 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 it seemed like he was going crazy on the internet one post at a time, which made me very amused. I yeah. really enjoyed it. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but it's, it's hard when you know people have – things have colloquial names sometimes. You know, they'll – People refer yeah. that's it's a patrol hard roll. That's what it's called. Yeah, and maybe that's not what they call it, but that's what everybody calls it. Everybody calls it. I mean, is chicken French really French, Chris? No, of course not. No, it's not. I, I mean, I like of to call it not. a chicken omelet. Okay, okay, hold on a second. <laughs> let's let's talk about chicken French for a second. Okay. So I I was on um, connections with Evan Dawson recently, 
and we were talking about the Rochester's food identity, food and drink identity. And throughout the course of the show, I proceeded to say three things that I'm sure made me unpopular with people. I said I don't like the Rochester-style hamburger. Okay. You know, the the hamburger with the... Tom you know, Walls, Bill Gray's yeah, hamburger yeah, yeah, with yeah. hot sauce. Right. I, I'm not a big fan. Yeah. Um, I said that people that say out-of-towners should go to Wegmans as their destination shouldn't tell people where to go in Rochester. <laughs> Um, which it was maybe a bit hyperbolic, but, um, you know, I think we have a lot to offer and the grocery store shouldn't be the first thing you tell people to go to when you come to Rochester. Yeah, that's true. That's Um, very true. And the third thing was I've never had a chicken French I liked. Yes. I want you to tell me why your chicken, why I should go to Antonetta's to eat your chicken French and why, why it's a good dish. Okay. I will. Um, when I opened up Antonetta's, I almost refused, as me having Antonetta's, I almost refused to serve chicken French because coming from Good Luck and Cure, working with Coco every day, who was French, you know, at the time, she was the uh, matri- matriarch or maitre d' or whatever of Good Luck, and she would just despise chicken French. <laughs> I was saying to myself, you know, I worked at a French restaurant. Cure was a French restaurant, you yeah. know, to, in my eyes, a French fusion between Thai and French and everything. And a chicken French was not French to me. No. And I decided if I'm going to serve it, it's going to be good. And be honest with you, everybody orders chicken French at Antonette's. I just can't stop selling it. I mean, it's a big dish, especially on Friday nights, I think. You know, and um, chicken French needs to be done. The, the egg mix that you dredge it in needs to have a lot of Parmesan cheese and a little garlic powder and salt in there. To give it flavor. Mm. Otherwise, the crust is the crust is the egg, and if the egg is just egg on the outside, it's going to be light and not appetizing and just look like a chicken omelet or something like that. But I like to season the egg up, and then our French sauce. We do a big batch of it, and we start it out with sherry. We boil the sherry, and then we burn it off. We hit the lighter to the sherry, and then the pot flames for about 20 minutes because it's just burning <laughs> off all of the sherry, all of the actual alcohol. Yeah. And then after that, we add the pounds of butter to it, and then we add the chicken base mixed up into it, the same way my cousins used to make it when I grew up going there. And um, I, I mean, I think in all of Rochester, it's my favorite. And also, one other thing that to make a good chicken French. Okay. Are you familiar with velouté? I am, but why don't you describe it, please? Okay, so there's five mother sauces in Escoffier's cooking, you know, French cooking. There was bechamel, which is made with cream. And that's for, so bechamel for <clears throat> if you're making a proper macaroni and cheese that doesn't break. Exactly. You use a bechamel and then you, you'll melt your cheese in there so it becomes a cohesive, smooth sauce and not a broken, gritty mess like so many restaurants have. Yeah, and it also not has a roux. Spe- specific. And they also use a roux. Yes. You know, uh, it's very important that when you're making the mother sauces, most of them have a roux to them. Like, so then the bechamel um, is one of them. Velouté is another one of them. It's a chicken base uh, sauce that is thickened with a roux. Then you have an Espanol sauce and a, like a red sauce. And then you have a hollandaise sauce, which is thickened with butter, emulsifying the butter and the egg yolks together. And you get the point. Um, I th- was I missing one sauce? No, I, I think that's right. I mean, it's, it's, I, 
it, it's always seems a little bit weird to me. But you keep on going. I'm going to okay. search for it real quick. Okay, so there. Okay, there's a bachamel, a velouté, hollandaise, espanol, and a tomato. That's five right there. So I believe that's right. The espanol is a made with. It's almost like a gravy, like a brown gravy made with beef base. Yeah, because I think that's that's. So the velouté, I add it. Oh, nope, you fr- got it right. Look at you. Yes, <laughs> there you go. So I added uh, the velouté to the French sauce, and you know what that does? It thickens it up just a little bit because when you get a chicken French like you probably have, uh-huh. all you taste is sherry. And it's water. Oh, yeah. Like To me, that's not a sauce. You know what I mean? When you're a saucier in a restaurant, you should know your five mother sauces and know how to make a sauce that has a nappe to the back of a spoon. Am I right? So that's that's clinging. So Yeah, so it again, clings to the back of the spoon. Use your finger to wipe off it's the got back. A nice, it's got a nice viscosity to it. Yes, it's, a nice viscosity. Yeah. Yes. So, all right, I have one more question about chicken French because I'm, I'm intrigued because you're – you are a man of chicken French now. Yes. <laughs> um, so it's not a crispy chicken. Um, no, it, it, it's not a crispy chicken because it has to cook in the sauce. You're making it in the pan. So you drop it in the egg and you drop go from the egg wash to your hot pan with oil in it. Yeah. Then the egg cooks and encases the chicken. Then after that, you deglaze with your sherry, and then you add your lemon and your chicken base. And then once you get a a thin sauce, I add the chicken velouté sauce to it because that makes it thick again. It it thickens it up. See, I think that's the part maybe I didn't understand the dish because I always thought it was just soggy nonsense. Yeah. Well, we actually do a haddock French. Uh, a, a sorted seafood French, which is haddock, scallops, and shrimp. And we do a chicken French, a veal French, and an eggplant French, believe it or not. I mean, we do all different types. Whatever it is, I'll French it. I'll French my shoe <laughs> if I have to. <laughs> and if the people want it, it will be Frenched. Yes. <laughs> Mr. French. <laughs> oh, well, that's interesting because I'm, I'm actually glad we talked about it because it was it's just something that stuck out in my head for so long as something that I just didn't get. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to come in after work one of these days because I'm right around the corner, mm-hmm. and I'm going to come and I'm going to eat an eggplant French, and I'm going to see what the hell's going on with it. All right, good. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. All right, so let's... So we were talking about the not roll. Too, we were talking about the not roll, but I... Th- which I, is a hard roll. I think I finished Yeah, that. yeah, he's upset about I, the I'm, not roll. Of course I am. I mean, if, if, if a knot roll isn't a hard roll, then who's selling hard rolls? Marticellos. Marticellos. That's, yes. the only, that's the only one I know, and that's like an old school, hard, crusty. And it's not crusty like Flower City bread, but it's got this hard shell on the outside. Mm-hmm. And when you cut it open, it's soft. Yeah. And it's round. It's completely round. It's a, it's a, and, it's, and it's, I don't think a lot of people appreciate it for what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people like the soft rolls nowadays. I still, I still haven't forgiven Marty for switching to potato rolls from the Marticello rolls. Yeah. Even though m- almost everybody loves them, and I think it, they do work in most of the things he does, I still, I loved that roll and I loved it on his barbecue. Yeah, we use the Marticello's roll at the restaurant yeah. for burgers. We put the the Marticello hard roll is where our burgers go on. I kind of like it for a burger. I know it's, I know it's not necessarily the best balanced thing, but I love biting into that roll, especially if you toast it. 
Oh yeah, you have to toast it because if you don't toast it, then you'll squish everything. Yeah, you know what I mean. It, it squishes it, real need, good. It needs to have a bite, and it needs to go. Your teeth got to go through it. If if it doesn't go through it, then you're you're you know. See, I I do love it, and I it's it's not well used, but anyways, I'm not going to complain about We're rolls. We're not going to get into it. I'm not going to complain <laughs> about rolls for the rest of the hour. Yeah. Um, let's talk about some of your favorite places around town because. As somebody who you grew up here, right? Yep, grew up, born, and raised. So you've got your probably some of your uh, old school favorites and some of your new school favorites. Yes. And we talked about Cure and we talked about Flower City Bread. Those are, I mean, for me, some of the greatest hits of Rochester at this point. Yep. Um, let's talk about around where Antonetta's is because I'm sure you've gone and tried some of the stuff around that area. Yeah. Um, I think there's some really interesting stuff popping up in and around over there. Yeah, um, my cousins own Giuseppe's, um, which is an Italian restaurant and bakery. Okay. You know, they sell... Have you ever heard of it? I have heard of it. Yeah, they actually... We buy our table bread from them. They're distant cousins of mine, but they own Giuseppe's. They do a good lunch during the day, and I you know, I like to give them a little shout-out. Um, but for me, believe it or not, my area i'll get a breakfast i was this morning i got a breakfast sandwiches at the at the quick fill on buffalo road i know the one you're talking about you know the one i'm talking about oh by the wegmans family yeah have you had their breakfast no is it really i didn't know that they well it's owned by a different wegmans family not the one that owns wegmans okay but you know the one that says quick no i know the one you're talking about well it's really old school the sign and everything and one day i just walked in there and they don't you have to pay for the gas inside they don't have credit cards at their pumps or anything it's very old school and i walked in there and they had sandwiches. That's and, uh, the that's on Mount Reed, right down near yeah, the circle on Buffalo there. Road, right yeah. there. It's I've I've seen it sometimes. I've never been in there. So uh, if I'm gonna go for breakfast, I'll just say, and I want to do it quick, quick. That's where I'll go because I'll get a breakfast sandwich with either sliced ham, cheese, and egg, or shaved steak with cheese and egg on it. So it's like almost like a New York City style breakfast sandwich, you know, in quick a, and fast. In a, it's in a hot holder, and yeah. you just open it up and you pull it out. And then during lunchtime, they change up the sandwiches to a chicken parm sandwich and a chicken cutlet with um, ham and Swiss cheese. It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. So and it's on it's on like a hard marticello sub roll. I, I gotta go in there. You that gotta go awesome. in there. Go in there. And then my second best breakfast spot would be Jim's on. And I don't know if you agree, but Jim's on um, on Maine. Uh, on Maine, yeah. I really enjoy their corned beef and hash. Because like the other the, one, the other one, which is right around the corner for me, is no longer. No longer. It's no. empty because there was theoretically a grocery store going in there that may or may not ever actually happen. Yeah. So I, you know, I love gyms on East Main. They're quick, they're fast, and you want to know what? The owners actually care about you. They walk up to you, they fill your coffee all the time. They're like, "Hey, honey, my my son goes in," and they're like, "Oh, hey, Leo." They remember his name, and that's yeah. comforting me. Now, if you want to get into lunchtime, I'm a big Swans fan. It's hard to beat. I, I mean. I just love it so much. It's, it's like a so treat old, to me. So old school. It's so old school, and the sampler platter is unbelievable, and they their uh, schnitzel and everything is just. I know um, Gunther is a good friend of mine, yeah, and I know he doesn't own it anymore, but he he still hangs out there. And no, dude, you can't not. You can't not hang out there if you're Gunther. Yeah, and, you know Barry's a great guy too. They're, Absolutely, they're both great guys, but. That's a favorite spot of mine for lunch is definitely Swans, and yeah. I know you're saying. Well, you know, none of this is Italian food, but yeah. you know what? 
can't have it always, every day. I always like Italian food. You know what I no, mean? You can't have it all the time. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know if you've been to the places. I'm just going to throw it out. Sometimes I talk about these places. There's a couple of Vietnamese restaurants right around the corner from you guys, right on yes. Lyle Ave. Yep. I haven't been there yet. Oh, but they're so good. Are they good? They are good. And Mount Reed Plaza? Uh-huh. They have pho? They do, both of them. And they're good? Yes. Oh, well, that's great. Man. So bo- gonna... both of them. So there's two places right next to each other. Yes. And I, I talk about them fairly often because these are things that should drive you to go into these into Lyle Ave. And there's also now a Cuban restaurant on Lyle Ave as well. Really? Where? Yeah, it's uh, El Divina. It's, uh, I'd say it's like three blocks east of Mount Reed on Lyle Ave. Okay. And they actually took one of the buildings, and it's completely new on the inside. Really? Beautiful. Wait, so I'm not too great. It's so you go so up. If you're if you're on Mount Reed in Lyle, and you, you go tur- right, yes, and it's before De- Glide Street. It's like right across the street from the gas station, like that first Sunoco. Oh, so it's right on the corner of Glide and yeah, Lyle. right in, right in that area. Yeah, I gotta go there. This this is in my neighborhood. Oh yeah, yeah. And this is this is the kind of stuff I get excited about because. It's a restaurant. They did this whole, they did a beautiful build out inside, and it's right on Lyle Ave. Yeah. I love that. I love that the, the people are building restaurants for, for the people that want to eat that food, and they're doing a really nice job of it. Yeah. Um, what anyways. else is at the Vietnamese place? What else do they have? They have pho. Do they have? Oh, they do other, sandwiches too. Oh, bought me. Oh, yes, they do. Are they good? They are good. Now awesome. I know it's hard because we had some we had some actually really good banh mi here for a little bit. Um, we had uh, Lee's Vietnamese over on Monroe, which I loved, and uh, what a banh mi, which was on Monroe as well. Yeah, they don't exist anymore. They right? don't. I think they both ended Cure, up. Cure has a good banh mi. In well, my opinion. Cure's is phenomenal. I mean, but it's a it's a different animal. It's a different animal because it's real handmade pork pate right and i mean it's unbelievable i mean it's It's a great when i was working there it started and i was making it there and it was my favorite and to this day whenever i go to the rodeo i call james up and cure and i go james you got to bring me about me yeah he brings it right over and everyone's like what are you eating i'm like i'm not telling you it's so sometimes i don't even like to tell people where i get this food no It's way too good. Too good um, to tell you know, and the, but the, I mean, the crazy thing is, you can go to these places and get four sandwiches for the same same price for the same price. Cures. And that's not to say that Cures is overpriced. I think it's priced accordingly to the quality and for how delicious the sandwich is. I don't begrudge them for charging that price. They're doing it all in house charcuterie. Oh yeah, and it's it is priced correctly. Yeah. Um, but if you just want a ton of food fast and relatively cheap, I mean, you can go get three banh mi for ten bucks over at Saigon Pho. Oh really? Yeah, it's and it's good. Yeah, it's good. good. I mean, they're old school. They're not. They're not polished. Yeah, yeah. It's like a paste on there. Yeah, it has, there's know, a lot a of butter mix to it when you're eating. It. A lot of butter mix, <laughs> you know, just stacked up. Yeah. Um, you, you know what I would like? I'd like a bob me with Swan's uh, liverwurst on it. Ooh. And you know, I think it should be like. You a know, what swan. I think would be great if we could do, we could do a Swan's bon me. So you'd have a little bit of liverwurst spread. You do head cheese because mm-hmm. you got to have a little bit of that gelatiny thing in there. Yeah, because some of the old school sandwiches they have like pork skin. Yeah, so a little bit of the little bit of the head cheese, mm-hmm. and then you know sliced like either the Weisswurst or some of the sliced white lunch meat. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. 
We can make a dynamite von me from there. Except if only the Germans knew about Vietnamese food. Yeah, they don't even know yet. <laughs> <laughs> like, what a great sandwich. That would be an awesome sandwich. I there. know. Maybe we'll just do it one day on the live on your oh, that'd be, oh, so cool. show. Oh, all right. I think we covered everything. Did I did I miss anything? Did I didn't I not ask you something I should have asked you? Um, I don't think so. I think you asked everything, but um I just wanted to say that I'm super excited about the state fair and Oh, I got I'm got I got the serious plugs coming up. I've got I've got my I've got my I've got my publicist uh publicist driven check sheet here and I'm <laughs> um but what we've got is uh, we've got the food truck days coming up on September second and third over around uh, the Chevy Court. Uh, Matt's going to be there on the third. Twenty food trucks both days. Big event. Um, the whole fair running from uh, running from the twenty third of August to the fourth of September. Find your great is the theme for this year. And for social media, uh, find the Great New York State Fair on Facebook. Following New York State NYS Fair on Twitter, Snapchat NYS Fair. And if you've got, if you want to look at photos, you can follow the fair flickr.com slash photos slash NYS fair. So you can find the fair online pretty easy. You search for New York State Fair. You'll definitely find the website. Um, Matt, where can they find you on social media? Uh, Meatball Truck Co. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Okay. Um, we have Square also. And we do not have an official Meatball Truck website because we do all of our stuff through social media. Nice. Um, if you want to reach us personally to book an event, uh, the number is 585-300-7010, and my mom will be answering that phone where she does all the booking and scheduling like that. I also wanted to put in that um, Antonetta's is going we, – we are offering a limited menu these days at, um, on Mondays. Uh, we kind of slowed it down with the staff and everything, and but I just wanted to promote the Monday lunches there a little bit, and you know I want people to come in and come check out the limited menu, and you know I want to try to get more business there on Mondays. Yeah, Monday so, Monday's a great day to go out for lunch too because it won't be crazy busy. Yeah, you can get in, you can get out, and I know that's something you guys really have specialized on for for years, forever. And we also have a believe it or not, we have an awesome bar. I mean, our bar has been around since 1860. Bartholomew Brewing Company built it in 1860. The whole bar is original, and it has a big mirror on the back with the, you know, the mahogany pillars and everything. And we have a great bar, and we're open till two in the morning. And you know, it's an awesome day bar to go to. You get to eat, and you have a couple drinks. Beautiful at the bar. porch and too. It, yeah, an awesome porch. I mean. Believe it or not, we're we're located across from the police station. If anybody's a little weary about J Street, and you know it's it, you know I've I've been all up and down J Street, yeah, all the way down towards towards the city, yeah. You know what? If you're going to get food, it's I've never seen any issues. Go in, get your food, relax. Uh, they have a nice parking lot there, right there. You don't have to park on the street. Yep, you're walking lots from the of parking, parking lot. Yeah, park. we even have a parking lot behind the restaurant. That yep, we own. real easy to get in and out and. Yeah, don't don't hesitate. Definitely go down and check it out. Yeah. Um, and if you like the episode, please share it out. Uh, Food About Town on Facebook, at Stromy, Twitter and Instagram. Matt Patrol, thanks for coming over, buddy. It's a long time. I know. Thank you so much, Chris. I appreciate it. It's All been right. Fun.